welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Uh, Biblical prophecy and eschatology, the doctrine of the end times, is one of those doctrines that you either love or hate. Uh, On the one hand, there are those who have an unhealthy obsession with trying to link every single modern event with a biblical prophecy. Uh, Every time that Israel is in the news, there's a tendency to engage in eisegesis and try to make it fit into the Bible, newspaper first and Bible second. On the other hand, we need to avoid the tendency to not care about the end times. There is uh, admittedly, a uh, an attitude or tendency to feel overwhelmed by all of the various views and understandings, and to just kind of throw the the whole thing out. And so we want to avoid both extremes. And I would suggest to us that the cure to both extremes is to cultivate a deeper love for God's word as revealed to us in the Bible. And so if we deepen our love for the word, then we're going to reject an attitude of ambivalence toward any portion of the Bible. And if we deepen our love for the Word, then we're going to reject attempts to force the news to fit into our Bibles. We need to love our Bibles more than our newspapers. Uh, What we're saying then is that we need to love truth over sensationalism and truth over ignorance. With that being said, I'd like to maybe just begin with what we uh, can agree on as Christians, uh, whether you are um, pre-mill, post-mill, ah-mill, uh, all of us should be able to agree on the fact that Jesus is coming again. And I would further suggest that this belief should unite us as Christians. Uh, we're not saying that eschatology is unimportant at all, but we are saying that good Orthodox men and women have differed on this issue. Um, but Believing that Jesus is returning should be a starting foundation for us as uh, as believers. In addition to this, I think we also should be able to acknowledge and agree upon the fact of the outcome of the believer and the unbeliever. The unbeliever is going to find themselves facing the eternal torment of God's wrath in the lake of fire for all of eternity— And the believer in Christ is going to find themselves worshiping God in eternal bliss in the new heavens and the new earth. There is an afterlife. But after this, we tend to find a lot of disagreement on the issue. I just wanted to read our church doctrinal statement. Uh, Our doctrinal statement says this, We believe in the imminent rapture of the church by Jesus Christ, the literal and physical return of Jesus Christ, his thousand-year reign on the earth, the eternal punishment of unbelievers in the lake of fire, and the eternal joy of believers worshiping God in the new earth. We are, uh, as a church, premillennial in that we believe Jesus will return before the millennium, uh, which we believe to be a thousand-year literal period of time. We also believe in the rapture and that it will occur just before the period of tribulation lasting seven years. Now, before I continue, I will say this. Um, this is the, the position that we have uh, on our church doctrinal statement as a church. Um, we have been uh, intentional 
uh, about not excluding people based on their view of uh, eschatology. Uh, And so with that being said, our church contains people with various views, um, and, and that's entirely fine. We want to be careful to choose, I guess, the, uh, the hills to die on. And with that regard, um, there are certain doctrines that are closer uh, to the centrality of what it means to even be a believer in the first place. And so things like justification by faith alone, the deity of Christ, the virgin birth of Christ, uh, those kinds of doctrines, uh, the, the, the nature of the gospel, when it comes to eschatology, um, we uh, we want to, to practice um, some just some room to um, to agree to disagree in those areas. So we might say that um, well well we would say that we could fellowship together in having a difference in this view, but we would also say that we would not be able to worship with someone who disagrees on justification by faith alone. And so we would draw the line in that regard uh, with, with, uh, with being able to worship together with someone who rejects that doctrine, but we would be able to worship together with someone who may have a different view on the, uh, on the end times. Perhaps we could talk about that uh, more uh, at, at, at another time, but just to clarify that, uh, that although that is our position, we do uh, welcome those who, who uh, have a different view uh, in that area. Um, one thing that's important to remember as we are talking about this doctrine is that we are unable to predict the timing of the rapture or of the second coming. Matthew 24, 50, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know. Mark 13, 32, concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And I would say that I am surprised at the lack of discernment exercised today uh, by Christians on this topic. We have a very clear statement from our Lord on the issue, and yet so many people just don't believe him. We, we just won't know, and that's that. Uh, we, we need to forget all of this end-time prediction nonsense. Uh, during the tribulation, the Antichrist will come to power and pour out his wrath on the earth in judgment. Israel will turn to Christ in saving faith and will be the special object of the Antichrist's attention. He'll make a covenant with Israel, then he'll violate that covenant, and eventually the Battle of Armageddon will take place. The Antichrist and his false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. Uh, the millennium will then be ushered in where Christ will reign again for a literal 1,000 years on the earth. After this period, Satan will be released from the bottomless pit. He will war with his creator. He will lose. He'll be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. Unbelievers will be judged at the great white throne. Uh, This is found in Revelation 20, where we read the following in verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged 
each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. So this is the outcome of the unbeliever. Believers will be judged, and yet that's a different sense. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but as through fire. Um, so the difference here, obviously, is the unbeliever is going to be judged for all of their sins, their acts, uh, their entire lives, and based on that, they will be cast into the lake of fire uh, for all of eternity. On the other hand, believers will have what uh, is referred to here in 1 Corinthians 3 as the Bema seat, where our motivations will be judged. And if we did something that um, had a motivation for something other than the glory of God, that motivation and that act is ultimately going to be burned up, uh, wood, hay, straw. Uh, But the acts that we did that were done with an eye Uh, to glorify God, those will be rewarded. And so this is not a judgment of uh, whether we're going to hell or not. Uh, There is, uh, as as, uh, Romans says, no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ. And so this is not a judgment of condemnation, but it is simply of rewards that uh, we will receive uh, in heaven. So the believer will be judged for the motivations of his or her actions and will be rewarded accordingly, but the believer will be saved ultimately, unlike the unbeliever. The fate of the unbeliever, I'm sorry, of the believer is described in Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Uh, This text presents to us the answer to a problem that has been with mankind from the beginning, uh, shortly after the beginning when they sinned in the Garden of Eden, and that is how can man, sinful man, be with holy God? And Revelation 21 here that we just read says, uh, he will dwell with them. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. This is only secured because of the blood of Christ and what he's done. And really, uh, we've kind of zoomed through some of these themes here, but the doctrine of the end times, uh, regardless of uh, where, where you are um, on, on that specific doctrine in terms of how it's going to flesh itself out, regardless of that, we know that there is uh, a fate of the believer and unbeliever both, 
and it should motivate us really to evangelism, to point people to Christ, knowing that uh, eternity is real. I just came across a quote the other day from Piper uh, where he was talking about suffering, and oftentimes uh, perhaps we might be accused as the church as not engaging as much in the suffering of this world, addressing those issues. And and I'll say that as a church, we ought to engage in those issues uh, as much as we're able to, but to full-out engage in addressing the sufferings of this world would really be to um, give up what our call is. Piper said, we care about all suffering, especially eternal suffering. And that ought to be on the mind of the believer, that eternal suffering is what we're going after. It should give us a renewed vigor in sharing the gospel and ministering to the needs of others. I want to end here with a quote. Uh, Ironically, uh, I'm a pre-millennialist, and Jonathan Edwards is a post-millennialist, and so I'm going to close out the Doctrine of Eschatology podcast with a quote from a post-millennialist, Jonathan Edwards. He says this, quote, Then the church shall be brought to the full enjoyment of her bridegroom, having all tears wiped away from her eyes, and there shall be no more distance or absence. She shall then be brought to the entertainments of an eternal wedding feast, and to dwell forever with her bridegroom, yea, to dwell eternally in his embraces. Then Christ will give her his loves, and she shall drink her fill, yea, she shall swim in the ocean of his love. This is the delight that all believers have to look forward to. And so let's begin by delighting in God now, worshiping God now, and by having a renewed passion of spreading the gospel in order to gather more worshipers for God. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.